0: Now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. So we're speaking with Dr. Stephen Bryan, who was the founder of the Defense Technology Security Administration, and served as a deputy under Secretary of Defense and Director of DTSA during both Reagan administrations. Say, so, well, that's a long time ago. It was also a great time. I'm
1: old too, you know.
0: Well, old, old, and wisdom, wisdom and age go <laughs> together, except in the case of uh, Biden. And Dr. Bryan led the Defense Department's efforts to halt the hemorrhage of Western technology to the Soviet Union and China, and played a major role in halting the transfer of sensitive technology to Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Libya. That sounds like a CIA spy stuff. Brian currently is a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy in the American Center for Democracy. He writes for Asia Times, Epic Times, Newsweek, American Thinker, and is the author of five books, including Technology, Security, and National Power. You can follow his Substack Weapons and Strategy. I was sent your article by my good friend Thomas Lifson, who who ran the American Thinker. Thinker. And I read the article, and I said, Thomas, could— can you help me get in touch with with Dr. Brian? He said, I don't know exactly how to reach him. But the next day he sent us a link and we reached you. Thank goodness. And we're speaking with you and you know so much about this. And uh, this man knows what he's talking about. I've already given you the introduction to his amazing background. And, you know, it's not that I'm sitting here cheering for Russia. I want people to understand that before we begin. I'm not cheering for Putin. I'm not cheering for Russia. But i'm also terrified having studied world war one that we are being led into a uh, world war three by this uh, uh border war between ukraine and russia what do you think do you do you fear as i do that this could be and it is dragging the world into a war
1: yeah absolutely yeah. i think that that uh you know we've been playing chicken with the russians mm. and 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 The truth of the matter is that it's a powerful country with nuclear weapons and nuclear delivery systems. So push them too hard and who knows what can happen.
0: Savage. Michael Savage. A host like no other. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression. Elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy. You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text Savage to 989898 for a free info kit. S A V A G E text it to nine eight nine eight nine eight and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text Savage to nine eight nine eight nine eight with an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five star reviews, and thousands of happy customers. I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky has announced he has sacked the commander in chief of the country's armed forces. That news just coming into us because the dismissal follows weeks now of speculation over General Valery Zelensky's future after the leaders became embroiled in an argument over strategy. But why are the, the, you know, I keep saying why, aren't there any people with any sense of history? and reason in the Biden administration who can knock some heads together and make this come to an end?
1: Well, it's hard to answer that question because uh, I'm very uh, despondent about the Biden administration's attitude about this. Mm-hmm. I don't see any any anyone that has said anything much of common sense. Mm-hmm. The best was is Admiral Kirby in the White House. So I think he's fairly decent, but. Nothing good from the Pentagon. Nothing good from the State Department. Nothing mm. from the White House. Otherwise,
0: well, even most recently, they said we're committed to 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 Ukraine again. That's all we keep hearing. The same homily out of uh, Animal Farm. You know, committed to Ukraine. Committed to Ukraine. Committed to Ukraine. Whatever it takes. Whatever <laughs> it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Right. Your article. Your article was amazing. Regime changes coming to Kiev by Stephen Bryan and Substack, and. um you open by saying Zelensky staked his reputation on Adivka and wanted it held at all costs. He fired his overall commander Zaluzhny. What's interesting here is Zaluzhny is extremely respected amongst the troops and in, and in Ukraine, correct? Yeah, yeah, and and in Russia. And in Russia,
1: yeah, they think he's a professional. They they uh, respect him. They don't like him, but they pers- they respect him.
0: So who's pulling Zelensky's strings? I mean, I've read all sorts of conspiracies that he's just a puppet of the Azov Battalion and things of that nature. What do you think, sir?
1: Well, I think he's depending on Washington 100 percent for his survival. So he is not going to bite the hand that feeds him. And he's doing what Washington wants him to do. I think that's the
0: bottom line. Well, what does what you you say? Washington does not want a deal with the Russians. Right. All its focus has been on handing Russia multiple defeats, squeezing the Russians dry and replacing its leader Putin. And uh, Mm -hmm. and what you're saying is the reverse may happen. The regime change will not come to Moscow, but to Kiev.
1: Yeah. And and not because of, you know, not because of Washington, but because of the the lost battle. uh, of Divka which is a terrible battle and it has uh, it has created a situation that's very grim for Zelensky. very grim
0: How, when you say a terrible battle you know we are starved for war news here in america it's such propaganda it's hard to see any footage it's hard to believe in this day and age that we see almost no video footage of the carnage
1: there's tons of footage but it's all in russian or ukrainian mostly russian
0: you mean they're showing the war footage? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, you can get it on Telegram, the Telegram channel. Uh, and some of it you can get on YouTube. But most of it's on Telegram. I
0: had I had Colonel McGregor on several times, and he, he estimates by his sources that the Ukrainians have lost over 600,000 men. Is that tragically true? Well,
1: they've lost a lot. I wouldn't put a number on it because there is no number.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: nobody has any reliable statistics. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Russians don't publish statistics The Ukrainians when they do publish them or smoke and wind and mirrors don't mean anything. So I just ignore it. I mean, what I think the results is what you look for. What happened? Who won? Who lost? That's
0: stuff you can understand. But in terms of numbers, we don't know. I said to him, I said, Colonel McGurga, how do you how did you come to that figure? And he said, by satellites that overfly graveyards the new graves things of that nature that, that kind of thing okay but let's say it's a tragic loss of human life in either case
1: well there's no doubt there's been an expansion of graveyards on both sides
0: well you know that brings me to to the next question putin is not i don't think putin is uh, tremendously popular in russia as a result of this war is that correct as well
1: well if you go with the opinion polls that have been published in Moscow—that's not correct. That he's pub- very popular. um uh, My gut says not so much,
0: mm-hmm. because people are afraid to say what they really think in Russia.
1: Well, they can't. I mean, you know, you end up if you oppose the war, you end up getting arrested. Wow, so it's tough there.
0: Wow, that's awful. That's so. It's a totally- it's like, well,
1: same thing as in Ukraine. If you speak up against the war, you're going to get arrested.
0: How can we say? that we're supporting democracy. How does Zelensky have the audacity to get up and say we're supporting democracy when he has canceled elections and closed down the Russian Orthodox churches in Ukraine? How can we say we're supporting democracy?
1: It's called chutzpah.
0: (laughs) I'm aware of that. I ran from it in New York many years ago. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what you're looking at. It was too much chutzpah for me. I had to get away from it (laughs) so I can impose mine on the poor people on the West coast. Uh, where there was less less competition <laughs> 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 so i thought so i thought but you know we're talking about life and death war and peace and um so zelensky loses adivka does the united states recognize the significance of this loss mr brian
1: well you'd never know it uh reading the papers uh looking at what the, has been said by administration people, which is very little about it. In fact, they've been almost silent mm. about that whole battle. Um, they wouldn't have been silent if, if the Ukrainians had won. I, I, think, I think at DOD, where they know how to assess conflict, they, that's their business, uh, understand what happened. Look, Divka was a big bulge pointing at Donetsk, which is the capital of that Donbass area. Mm-hmm. A very sensitive place between 1914 and 19, oh, 1914, <laughs> 2014 and 2017. <laughs> I'm putting a You're day only on off by
0: 100 years. That's uh, well, okay. what's, 100 what's 100 years, years between friends? Right.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Between 2014 and 2017, the local Donbass militia fought the Ukrainian army and lost, uh, and pushed out and the ukrainians took over the city uh and they held it until recently between 2021 and uh really 2022 with the start of the russian operation uh until today they've been fighting you know it's been the russians against the ukrainians but the the russians in the last few months got really serious they brought in much more resources in terms of troops they they took over the air with their aircraft and dropped all
0: kinds of bombs on the Ukrainians. I noticed I read your article, which is extremely detailed. You you said the Russians dropped cluster munitions on mm. Ukrainian positions, brought in all the heavy artillery, saturation bombed the area. I mean, this was a serious battle. We've seen no footage of this in the American media. None.
1: Yeah, I know, because the reporters only write what they're told by the wow.
0: state. It's awful. It's just awful. I mean, it. it I don't. Think it's, it's a shame just, because I
1: think uh, you know Americans should understand this is a very tough war, very tough war, very brutal on both sides. I mean, but, I'm, not, I'm not trying to excuse anybody here. It's just a tough, nasty, rough war, and and uh, Americans have very little perception of it because the newspapers don't cover it.
0: They don't cover it. Sure, um, in the during the Vietnam War, when the whole press was given to us losing to the communists
1: oh yeah every day
0: were we fed pictures of dead vietnamese virtually daily and injured american troops daily
1: yes no i was in vietnam twice in 74 and 75 i saw it firsthand
0: y- you were fighting down there in- no
1: i was not i was working for the senate foreign relations committee and i was sent there to assess uh, the war
0: mm-hmm. well you were right next to it at least we uh during the war we we saw horrible pictures and it made people turn against the war here, we're hearing nothing but Zelensky, the comedian, telling us how wonderful things are going, just send us more money and more, you know, more ammunition, which is actually... how? How is it that the United States, given our industrial base, has run out of 155-millimeter artillery shells? How is that even possible?
1: Well, I think what surprised the, the Pentagon was the huge amount of shells that were being used by the Ukrainians against the Russians. I mean, massive. They never... They never thought you would use artillery that way. Mm. So they never planned on large stockpiles because they never thought it was that big a deal. You know, the the military has gone to the air age. You know, we're going to get the F-35s and the B-1 bombers and all that stuff. And that's how we're going to take care of things. So they never really, they, you know, the
0: artillery's old stuff in you know, old fashioned. It's the Revolutionary War stuff, firing cannons. <laughs> well,
1: it was there. They had it then.
0: Savage. Most savage nation. It's savage on demand. Okay, so we gave Israel, I understand, also just absorbed an enormous number of our 155 millimeter. In yeah. fact, I, I read in it, maybe I'm mistaken that many of these 155 um, artillery shells were diverted from shipments assigned to Ukraine to Israel after the October 7th. Massacre. I heard that too. Yeah. Who makes these things? What Do you know which company there makes are,
1: them? There are three uh, arsenals owned by the U.S. government, but run by private companies uh, that make these shells.
0: I hate to ask what they are because people will think I'm going to make an investment, but I don't invest in, 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 war. you
1: can't invest their own by the government.
0: Okay. I got it. Well, that means, <laughs> that, means that Biden is better than he can You're you right in your great article regime is coming to Kiev the following. You're right. Most of the central elements of Washington's policy have failed. Excessive sanctions did not break the Russian economy, but succeeded in driving the Russians in a wholly new direction, embracing China and India and BRICS. U.S. Right. technology did not turn the tide of war in Ukraine's favor. Not talking to the Russians helped solidify the Russian view that Washington and NATO were the enemy, intensifying their already stressed view that they had been lied to over the years about NATO expansion. So everything that these geniuses under Biden, mainly Blinken and that other one who looks like out of the Laurel and Hardy movies, it always reminds me of Stan uh, Stan Laurel, the, other, the director of national intelligence. I, I don't understand how these people wind up in these positions, but it seems everything that they told us was happening went the other way. When did they come to recognize that they failed? Never.
1: <laughs> my best guess. I mean, that's a great question. You know, you've you, you got your finger on <laughs> a very important question. Uh, my guess is that Biden doesn't want to concede anything to the Russians during the time he's running for Mm re-election because it'll look like Afghanistan.
0: Okay. Got it. Uh, So when will this happen? If if, after an election all the way next November?
1: Uh, Or next January.
0: Oh my God.
1: It's it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not in the national, in the U S national interest to tie elections to our security. Security comes first.
0: Well, what bothers me, amongst everything else, in, in addition to the fact that the Ukrainians have lost an entire generation of young men, which is what they've—I don't see how this country ever survives after this. Whether the loss is two hundred thousand or six hundred thousand is irrelevant. Uh, in addition to the eight or nine million who have fled the country in a lot oh, more, more than nine, ten, much million more, people, yeah, nine, ten million people have fled. They've moved to to the EU, to to Poland and other countries. How does that nation ever revitalize, if ever, Do you you know, in a broader picture, can they ever become a whole, ent- a whole entity again, uh, called the nation of Ukraine?
1: Well, an awful lot has been destroyed along the, in the eastern part, uh, from the north to the south, and then along the Sea of Azov over to Kyrgyzstan, a lot has been destroyed. So there, there's, unless there's some financial way to repair it, uh, from a physical point of view, it's just a lot of destruction. But uh, no,
0: Stephen, I'm reading that very many of these American companies that have been pushing the war are lining up for the uh, repair of Ukraine, the rebuilding sure. of Ukraine. The very companies that are destroying it and have destroyed it are lining up, saying, "Yeah, we're ready to rebuild Ukraine."
1: So are the German and the French and the British companies.
0: They're ready to re- start rebuilding Ukraine. Yeah, because they figure the government will pay for it. Oh my god! Make money. Just, just no end to the greed and the insanity. You would think in this age of the internet, people would be aware of this. And there is a certain, a certain large percentage of the American population. I wouldn't say the majority that understands Ukraine is a corrupt nation, run by a corrupt stooge, and he's not George Washington or Winston Churchill all wrapped up in one a little package. But that's not to say that we are supporting Putin. I have to go back to the primary point. But, you know, you could argue that Putin was forced to act against Ukraine. I mean, I've read all of the stories going back to 2014. I I know that Zelensky, tell me if I'm mistaken, you're the expert on this. Okay. My narrative in my brain is that Zelensky was a comedian or an entertainer who ran on the platform of peace. He was a peacenik and the Ukrainians did not want war. He said he would not seek war with Russia. He would not permit NATO to uh, To uh, put weapons on the border with Russia, and the Ukrainians loved him because they wanted a peaceful guy to run the country. They didn't want war. Is that more or less how it? That's exactly right. Okay, so that's my little narrative. Okay, so the next thing we know is Zelensky suddenly becomes, in his own mind, a combination of Winston Churchill, George Washington, uh, Napoleon, whatever, all in one, wrapped up in one, and he's never (laughs) a great Democrat. Yeah, and he's never had so much fun in his life. You would think with all that power and money, he'd buy himself a decent suit. But no, the same uh, green undershirt, thinking that he's a combination of Fidel Castro and Che Guevara, which I don't understand. He really ought to get somebody advising him that that act isn't playing here anymore. We're tired of him. And, you know, since we're tired of him, are the Ukrainians going to replace him no matter what happens? Do you think?
1: Well, I think he'll be replaced, but I don't think it will be through democratic process.
0: That's a loaded statement. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any elections. So they're under martial law, and you know you could have elections in, under martial law, but they've they won't. Uh, they they've already passed legislation says you can't have elections. So the par the parliament, which is called the Rakova Rada, can't be reelected, and the president can't be reelected or elected. So the you know you can't change anything that way. Uh, so how can you do it? Someone's going to have to do it like they did in twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen, they drove Yanukovych, who was the president of Ukraine, out of the you know out and out of the country. He's in Russia now. Oh, so, yeah, he's gone. Uh, that wasn't a a democratic process. It was a. The mob process through, you know, so-called Maidan revolt.
0: Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I remember John McCain was one of the great uh, cheerleaders for that revolt. Uh, Laura, so was Victoria Newland. Victoria, Victoria Newland. They went there for regime. They tried to do the same that they did in Ukraine and Egypt, by the way, and failed. People don't know that they were out to th- overthrow the Egyptian government. Oh, yeah, see. they wanted
1: the Muslim Brotherhood.
0: It's unbelievable. I mean, I, people don't understand how bad it is. It's just like
1: having, you know, it's like wanting Hamas to make it uh, understandable to Americans. It's the same thing as to put these terrorists
0: in power. But why would McCain fall for such a absurd notion?
1: I, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't, except he's a power guy. He believes in power. And well, I think he, he thought we could, you know, we could do it. We could own the country.
0: Own the yeah, country. Uh, the,
1: the, there, there's a bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is NATO, at least since 2014, probably before, was already putting uh, armaments, training Ukrainians, bringing in intel advisors, uh, tacticians, all kinds of military people to teach the Ukrainians how to knock off the two Donbass republics in, in the eastern part of the country. Mm which are Russian-oriented, in in Luhansk and in Donetsk. And and so what brought this world was a growing threat to those two entities and a complete failure to implement what were called the Minsk agreements, Minsk I in Minsk 2014, Minsk Two in 2015. Um, but Zelensky uh, eventually wouldn't implement them prior governments wouldn't implement them. Washington didn't want it implemented. And most of all, the the, the guys who organized it, the French and the the, the Germans didn't want it either.
0: Mm.
1: What, they, what, did had, they, want, were, they did not want
0: they they didn't want peace.
1: They didn't they did not Is
0: that they wanted they NATO, NATO in, they,
1: they wanted to have NATO in remember that since twenty eleven we started talking about bringing Ukraine into NATO. Uh they wanted NATO bases and presence in Ukraine to threaten the, the Russian flank because it's very close to Moscow
0: well that would be like I, mean, I try to tell people who don't quite follow all of this that would be like Mexico putting nuclear tipped uh, missiles on our border that's right
1: yeah it's bad that's enough a good to, analogy
0: if, if, could you imagine how the Americans would react if Mexico said we have an alignment with China and we're putting their missiles on our border facing uh California New Mexico and, and Arizona and Texas
1: I think it would take about five minutes for us to react, and and we would send in the army.
0: Well, that's what Moscow did. Yep. So, again, people don't understand their point of view. This demonization of Russia, I remember it began under Hillary Clinton, incidentally, from my, again, I'm not the historian that you are. I remember Hillary Clinton started banging the war drums, calling him a dictator, a Hitler. This was a long time ago. Yeah, why does Hillary Clinton have such a vendetta for, for Putin, in your opinion?
1: I I don't know the answer to that. I am not a great follower of Hillary.
0: <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, that's very funny that, that they're not a great follower. No, but is it because she ran a State Department with 65,000 employees and she's out of work and she misses those days?
1: Well, the whole de- the whole idea, the, the Democrats wanted to find a way to trash Trump, didn't they? So. Yes. So they had this Russian conspiracy. I see. They manufactured it. I think that's pretty clear now. And, and you know, they went after him that way. They're still going after him in the courts and a lot of other ways. But that's their, that's their game.
0: You also write in your article, Dr. Bryan, that if any organization in Ukraine fits Putin's description of Ukrainian Nazis, the 3rd Brigade is the premier example. People right. don't understand that when the Russians talk about Nazis, it's not symbolism to them. They remember in their DNA battling Hitler's armies and almost losing their nation, saved right. save both by the winter and by uh, uh, the attrition of, of, of troops and whatnot. But 20 million
1: almost, Russians died.
0: How many? 20 million. In World War II. That's right. People don't know that four million Russians died in the last four months of the war to take Berlin. They threw everything that they had left at the Nazi resistance that was left in the rubble of Berlin. And this leads us to the Russian mentality, which is they will fight to the last man in a war. They, They fight a war of attrition. They're willing to suffer almost unlimited losses. Isn't that more or less? Tragically true. Yeah,
1: I don't like to call it attrition because it kind of suggests that they're just going to wear the other guys down. You know, Uh I mean they they captured um, Berlin. Remember, you know they were the first ones there, and yes, took it uh, and saved us a lot of deaths. I mean, it's really you know one of the things that's really troubling to me, uh, both as a political scientist and a historian and someone who follows all this, is. The Russians really saved our asses in World War II. There's no doubt about it. Uh, without Russia, we couldn't have won the war. It would have been impossible. The American people would have said, no, no, no. It's in Europe. To hell with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but made it possible. And look, all my family fought in that war. Okay. My uncles,
0: father, all. As American troops. I as American be, soldiers. Not as Russians. So <laughs> Okay.
1: No, I don't think so. <laughs> Although no, I have I family that was in it was in Ukraine. Uh, but I think they all, either they all got out or they were all killed in the Holocaust. But uh, but no, I don't think any of them would, would be in the Russian army. But uh, even if they were, by the way, just speaking of that, because it's a forgotten item, there were 500,000 Jewish soldiers fighting in Russia for the Russians in World War II.
0: Jewish soldiers who were Russian fighting, fighting for, for Russia
1: for, for Russia
0: people don't recognize that as a fact
1: that's right and a lot and a lot of Russian Jewish officers including uh, generals and admirals well and more than that the, the Russian defense industry was saved largely by the uh, Jewish uh, uh, businessmen I'll call them businessmen they weren't exactly businessmen in a communist state yeah. but <laughs> but they were at least good at industrial reorganization. They, they moved Russian industry across the Ural Mountains to keep it away from the Nazis, restarted it. Uh, that's where the tanks there are made even today. And, and and that was done largely by Russian Jews.
0: Was Zhukov Jewish? No. No. Who were the leader leading of the, the Russian command? commanders who ha- uh i'm just interested myself i don't have a
1: fast name no. for it, but I, I, I think it's a
0: very interesting I'm story unto itself because all we hear about russian bolsheviks and communists but we never yeah well
1: they weren't either i mean they were just people who were drafted as a in the population, population right. they, they
0: had they had to do it
1: it suffered badly at the hands of the nazis and and so the, as you said the, the russians are are very sensitive to anything that resembles nazis and the Azov brigade is ukrainian version of nazis
0: so again when putin says he wants to denazify ukraine he's referring to the third brigade which is renamed rebranded as the origin it was originally called the azar battalion yeah, and their, that's right and their insignias are that of a modified swastika that's correct and we don't and they, see they anything.
1: use the wolfsangle uh symbol as well on their patches we
0: could you sh- shed some more light on the Nazi sentiments in these ultra nationalist military units?
1: Well, the yeah, I mean to give you some idea. The, it was formed in 2014, Days off Brigade. Hmm. The initial leader was a guy named Andriy Boletsky, uh, who was prior to that the head of something called Patriots of Ukraine and uh also the Social National Assembly, which was another fascist group. Uh, it attacked all kinds of minority groups in, in the country, Russians, uh, gay people, uh, not just the uh, uh, Romans. Uh, these are these are uh, gypsies and They went after all of them, uh, and they were known to be really rough and dangerous
0: and Jews. They did. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so now, you know, now they
1: say they're all for the Jews because Zelensky Jewish.
0: Yeah. No, I've seen that, that they're very <laughs> clever. They're stupid. They're not. Yeah, right. They chose a Jewish comedian, a liberal Jewish comedian, to lead the war against Russia, which is very clever.
1: It was. But and, people, and the head of the Azov Brigade is called the Belevosht, which means white ruler.
0: Yeah, well, they're very smart people uh, when you think about it, uh, using um, Zelensky. Zelensky's enjoyed this tremendously, and I suppose he uh, thought. He more
1: than enjoyed. He's, he, his key. This is interesting. His key support was coming from these nationalist groups. Not right away, but once the war started, absolutely. And, you know, since the fall of of Avdivka.
0: Russia's defense ministry says they have captured the eastern city of Avdivka less than a day after Ukrainian officials announced they withdrew troops. The victory is Russia's largest since they captured Bakhmut in May of last year. He
1: started uh, investigating why, you know, who the traitors were, and he's now investigating the Azov Brigade leadership. His friends. Now this he's could in, really
0: backfire. He's investigating them. He's asked his justice
1: ministry to investigate
0: them as traitors. Oh boy, he's really—you know—he's lost it. He actually starting. To, to he's falling apart. Own, yeah, I to use his own product, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. I'm right, this. It, he doesn't understand that he is their puppet. He started yeah. to think he's actually in charge. Is that what's going on there?
1: I think that's. He's trying to blame it on somebody, you know?
0: Well, what he, does he do? He he's
1: the him? guy that made it happen. I mean, he was told by Zeluzhny, the former commander of all of Ukraine's armed forces, he was told by Zeluzhny, let's get out of that city. It's a death trap. We're going to get wiped okay. out. And he fired Zeluzhny and he said, no, we're staying. We're staying. We're staying. In December, he went there, near the end of December, he went there and had his picture taken, including a selfie of himself in front of a sign that says Avdivka. I saw that. It was awful. Awful. So, I mean, he's holding the bag. So he has to blame it on somebody. can't blame it on the United States. Because that wouldn't go over big with Joe Biden. So what's he going to do? He's blaming it on Azov. And on some poor soldiers who, you know, really, because, you know, everybody broke and ran. It was a rout at the, the end.
0: Ukrainians ran from the battlefield. Including
1: they, the Azov Brigade. Yeah, included, they were
0: to leave. Because they knew they would be slaughtered.
1: Exactly. I mean, look, I don't
0: blame them. No, I'm not. I'm
1: but, I mean, I understand why joke, they though. did it. But, uh, you know, now he wants, which traitor turned us, you know, all this garbage is going on in Ukraine. Right?
0: Savage. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. A savage republic, inside the plot to destroy America, lays out the threats we face, prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on BarnesandNoble.com. A savage republic. Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others. So now that Russia's captured this critical bulge, it's like the Battle of the Bulge in a way. I mean, in- exactly. It's exactly what it is. Okay, so the, Ru- the Germans had come through the bulge, then they were counterattacked, and the Allies, at great cost, pushed them back. I had that two uncles
1: how- marching right up there,
0: and that yeah. was the beginning of the end. Right. of of uh of Hitler's uh, military what
1: well, was the last t- any of offensive effort that the Nazis could mount they threw all their marbles into that battle and they got wiped you know finally not is at the this beginning. comparable
0: is this comparable
1: i think it is mm. the Azov brigade took it on the chin first in the village of seldova where the russians found them out they were massing troops to go into into uh, Avdivka. And the Russians launched his missiles and cluster bombs, and they killed a lot of them. And then secondarily, they came in from the north and they got, they got stuck in the city. They saw that they couldn't survive and they went out. They ran away.
0: You know, again, Russia has the capacity to, they don't have to nuke Kiev to decimate it. And I've often wondered why have they held back? Certainly they have the military power to have unleashed hell itself upon Ukraine. They could have annihilated almost every major city a year ago or more so. Why have they not done so?
1: That's a a very interesting question. Um, I'm not entirely sure. that you know, they were close to Kiev before, at the beginning of the special military operation, and then they withdrew their forces. They didn't want to get into a a battle for that city, Uh, just for the same reason they haven't they attacked Odessa, uh, Kharkiv in the northeast. Those are big cities, and they've laid off those so far. Uh, whether they continue to do that, we don't know. I think the second reason might be that attacking Kiev might bring in NATO forces. NATO.
0: Well, I was told another theory that I was told, I wonder what you think of it, is that um, they rec- Putin recognizes in the long term they want to, have peaceful relations with the people of Ukraine and they don't want to annihilate, you know, half their cities and kill half their population because they can never again have peace with the Ukrainian people. That's a theory I,
1: that's not a bad theory. I mean, the, the Russians for the most part, not always, but for the most part have been fairly careful about hitting military targets and they've tried to stay away from population targets. Now, in some cities, that's impossible because the Ukrainians dig in inside the city and build firing points and trenches and all kinds of things. But where it's, you know, Kiev wasn't like that.
0: Dr. Brian, before you go, you say regime change is coming to Kiev, meaning it's backfired. It's not going to be regime change in Russia, as Blinken and his boys uh, told us we would get. Do you know, or could you guess who they might replace Zelensky with should that happen?
1: Well, I hear two things. I mean, one is Poroshenko, who is actually interested in being the next. He was president of Ukraine before. He's interested in being president of Ukraine again. And solutionally, the former commander has now aligned himself with Poroshenko.
0: Where where is Poroshenko these days?
1: He's in in, uh, Kiev.
0: Oh, he is. I thought he was in Miami and no,
1: no, no. He's not. Well, I mean, he might be well advised. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a nice place and it's sunny and warm. But uh, no, he's in Kiev. In fact, he had planned to go uh, to Poland and then on to Eastern Europe to kind of sell his version of the truth. And the Ukrainian authorities yanked his passport, so he couldn't. He couldn't leave.
0: So, folks, we've been speaking with Doctor Stephen Bryan who was the founder of the Defense Technology Security Administration and served as a deputy under Secretary of Defense and Director of DTSA during both Reagan administrations. Say, well, that's a long time ago. Well, it's also a great time. I'm
1: old, too, you know.
0: Well, old old and wisdom wisdom and age go (laughs) together, except in the case of uh, Biden. And Dr. Bryan led the Defense Department's efforts to halt the hemorrhage of Western technology to the Soviet Union and China and played a major role in halting the transfer of sensitive technology to Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Libya. That sounds like a CIA spy stuff. Brian currently is a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy in the American Center for Democracy. He writes for Asia Times, Epic Times, Newsweek, American Thinker, and is the author of five books, including Technology, Security, and National Power. You can follow his substack weapons and strategy. I was sent your article by my good friend Thomas Lifson, who, who ran american the american thinker. thinker and i read the article and i said thomas could, can you help me get in touch with with dr brian he said i don't know exactly how to reach him, but the next day he sent us a link and we reached you thank goodness and we're speaking with you and you know so much about this are there any final thoughts on this tragedy uh called the ukraine russia uh, war because that's what it is uh, is it a territorial dispute what is this
1: well, it's a much more than a territorial dispute it's a dispute about whether nato is going to have military bases including nuclear weapons okay. in ukraine that's what it's about
0: okay well have see i'm not so sure that even if ukraine fails to conquer what they said they could do that the idiots and i call them imbecilic imbecilic fools most of whom have never been in a fistfight, let alone a war. They don't even know what war does to people. They live in this dream world of war. It's just a game to them on a computer. Uh, I don't think that they're going to learn a lesson from this tragedy.
1: Well, they didn't learn anything from Afghanistan either.
0: Didn't. Zero. Zero. You mean from the withdrawal, the disaster? Yeah,
1: I mean, that was a debacle. And it was unnecessary. And we sentenced a lot of people in, in yeah, afghanistan to death thank you very much
0: and how many, how many billions of dollars of weapons are in the hands of china and the bagram air base is now occupied by the chinese military yeah can anyone believe this we don't even see this in the media you know it's
1: oh, sad they, uh, they want to save biden so they're not going to publish negative news but at
0: what cost at they don't care what cost any cost no matter what the lie is no matter who gets knocked down no matter who gets destroyed no it's a what. shame
1: you know because I mean, if you ask me for my last thought it's a shame that our uh, fourth estate our press is uh, so awful and so unwilling to report the truth it's just a disgrace
0: well it's left to uh, us poor individuals here to uh, kind of seep the truth through the cracks of the of the edifice of state and, let, and hopes that some of this pure water will be received by the population in time to save this nation from this horrendous regime. Dr. Bryan, a, a pleasure. I hope we can do this again in the near future. I will follow you. What's the best and quickest way for people to read your work?
1: Weapons, uh, uh, weapons and Strategy, which is uh, on Substack.
0: weapons and strategy that's your main outlet to to the
1: well and i write almost mostly everything that's on weapons and strategy ends up in asia times as well
0: great new great newspaper
1: either one either one works great
0: well thanks for taking time uh to be with us today on the michael savage podcast i'm sure people are going to rave about your keen insights and thank you again
1: well thank you very much it's a pleasure savage